Blog Talk Radio. Now let's join Holly Steffi and Red Velvet Media as we explore the inspirational worlds of music, media, and more. What a great song. I love that song. 
Welcome to Red Velvet Media Blog Talk Radio, and I have a really special guest with me today. Um, we are going to be talking to Julian David Stone about his new Kickstarter campaign. That is a um, amazing book that is really his journey. It's called No Cameras Allowed, My Career as an Outlaw Rock and Roll Photographer. So um, this is going to be a really fun show. And before we start, what I'd like to say is with all the crazy stuff going on in the world, we just want to send a lot of prayers and a lot of really good energy out there to everyone. And um, this show will be available afterwards on iTunes and also on Red Velvet Media, Blog Talk Radio On Demand. And uh, also the chat room's open if you want to go in there. And if you'd like to call in, the number is 347 Six seven seven one zero three six. So let me bring Julian into the studio because we are going to talk about we're going to go on a little journey here because I talked to Julian <laughs> before we set up this show and uh, he's got some really fun stories, kind of like you know the kind of you had to be there moment type things. Welcome to the show, Julian. Are you there? Hello, hello. I'm here. It's great to talk to you. <laughs> That's awesome. And you requested. You requested that song, so that's such a great song. Um, obviously, it's The Police and uh, Synchronicity 1. And we're going to be ending our show with another really great tune, so you got to stick around and hear that. But for anyone uh-huh. listening live, if you want to listen to this, um, it's in its entirety afterwards. Again, it will be available as a podcast. Um, and I know that a lot of other networks have picked up my show, so it will be available on other networks as well. So. Julian, this book, yes. let's talk a little bit about the book and a little bit, first of sure. all, like how you started off because you are not only just doing this book, you've done other books and you've also done several short film documentaries on Frank Sinatra and quite a, a lot of other amazing things. And I know that you have something in the works um, right now being turned into a TV series. So why don't I start at the beginning? Um Let's talk about how you got interested in photography and how you became an outlaw <laughs> in the rock sure. photography. Yeah, go for sure. it. Sure, sure. So yeah, I started taking pictures when I was a teenager, and sort of at the mm-hmm. same time, sort of you know, like we all do, I started to fall in love with rock and roll, and I and I decided I wanted to try to put the two together and start photographing concerts. Well, what I discovered yeah. almost immediately, immediately was you you can't just walk into any concert and start taking pictures. I discovered that at a Ramones show where I was one of the first shows I went to. I loved the Ramones and I wanted to take pictures. Mm -hmm. And I I was going to walk in and there was a big security guard there that just sort of laughed at me and said, you're not coming in there, coming in here with that equipment. And I went back to my car to put the equipment away. And I just kind of had this moment where I was like, you know what, there's got to be a way to do this. And I kind of hid the equipment on my body, got into the show took pictures of the Ramones and then just fell in love with the whole thing. And from there shot about 10,000 pictures over the next four or five years. Um, and wow. I just was addicted to it. Yeah. I, I loved mm-hmm. the, as time passed, I got more sophisticated in the equipment I, I brought in and I got more uh, complicated in how I would do it. I started taping camera equipment on, you know, on my body and hiding it. Oh, and that's then eventually, funny. 
<laughs> yeah, then eventually I got an I got an old navy overcoat that went down to almost my ankles and I I cut into it so that I could hide equipment in the lining of it so it would hang way out of oh, reach. Wow. Where you would sort of get you would get the traditional pat down. So that's kind of in short mm-hmm. how the journey began and I just sort of started shooting uh just about everybody who was big in the, the early to mid eighties. So that's kind of a, wow. a short version of the, the photography campaign because I know it's fully funded but you're doing other things let's give that out and then I want to hear some of the stories that you shared with me earlier about that yeah what's the Kickstarter campaign um, URL go ahead okay so so the Kickstarter is if you go to Kickstarter just type in no cameras allowed and you'll go right to the uh, to the listing and it's got still got about a week left Um, it closes on September 21st and we, we got fully funded in less than two weeks but I've now put a stretch goal that I'm trying to get to so that I can have a big gallery show and a book launch when the, when the book is mm-hmm. all done, because basically the, the Kickstarter is to make a coffee table book of this huge archive. I have, like I said, of over 10,000 images and I'm going to make it turn it into a coffee table book that will have 250 of my favorite photos of 40 different bands and, uh, mixed in will also be all the stories of the adventures I had taking the pictures, but That's this great. is all going to be it's going to be un, yeah. unseen photos of you two, the police, the Ramones, Prince, the Grateful Dead. Uh, you can just go on and on. Berlin, Missing Persons, Elvis Costello, Talking wow. Heads, Terry. Joan Jett. That's great. Uh, yeah, go on and on. Like I said, if they were big in the '80s, pretty good chance I shot them. So that's that's the book and that's the Kickstarter. That's amazing. Hey, you know, you said you're, you want to do a gallery show. Where are you looking? Mm-hmm. What gallery? Are you going to think about the Morrison? Uh, it'll, it, uh, it's going to be in Los Angeles. I haven't gotten to that. Mm-hmm. Like I said, you know, I just got fully funded about 10 days ago, which was so exciting to get mm-hmm. funded, you know, with still weeks left. Kickstarter yeah. gave you 30 days to do your fundraising, and it took less than two weeks. So that was very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it'll be in well, Los Angeles, the, the gallery to be awesome. decided. but. The, one of the fun things, though, that anybody that contributes to the campaign will be invited to the opening night and the book launch. So that's something I've oh, added nice. as a reward for people. Yeah. Nice. So. so one of the perks. So, you know, you and I yeah. talk afterwards about the Morrison because uh, the Morrison has been on the show quite a few times and uh, um, other couple different other um, really cool galleries. I think your stuff is, is very worthy of that. Um, oh, that'd be great. Let's talk. No, 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 seriously. And let's talk a little bit about some of the stories behind the pictures, because I know you shared a few, and it was really funny when you were t- sure. telling me the sure. stories. Well, so go sure, for it. Sure, absolutely. Okay, sure. Well, I'll, you know, one of, one of the, the crazier adventures I had, um, I was shooting Duran Duran in uh, 1983, uh-huh. 84, sort of, sort of at the height of their sort of Duran mania. Um, and I was not a huge Duran Duran fan, so there was a. I was in college. It was my first year of college, and I was uh, still shooting concerts. And a friend of mine came to me who was obsessed with Duran Duran, and he said, "If if I, you know, pay for you to go to the show, can will you go with me? Drive. I, I had a car. He didn't and drive down there, and we'll you know we'll mm-hmm. go in and you can take pictures." So I went along with him when we got there. This was in Los Angeles at the Forum. It was completely sold out. There were no tickets around. Well, we found a a guard, like an usher who was at a door who said, Hey, if you could slip me a few dollars, I'll let you guys in. Slips in the money. We oh, go wow. into the show. So, so now we don't have tickets. 
So we don't have a seat. So we're just sort of wandering around the, the aisles, you know, inside the arena yeah. and, you know, just hanging out. The minute the lights go down, I pull up my camera, I start taking pictures. Now, normally when I'm sneaking my equipment in, you know, you can hide in the crowd and I use the crowd to keep from, from, from being caught. Well, we didn't have that because like I said, we didn't have seats. So I'm shooting away and all of a sudden I feel this hand on my back and I turn around and there's mm-hmm. these two huge security guards standing there. And they go, Duran Duran group security, can you come with me? So my friend instantly oh, vanishes. Wow. He wants no no part of this. They take me outside of the forum and they, you know, they rip open the camera, they take the film, they take all my, my stuff away. No. And, and you know, and they, and you know, there's no pictures. And then, you know, they, they turn out to kind of be nice guys. So they've gotten the camera, so they want they want to let me go back into the show. Well, I don't have a ticket stub. So they, they start, start like trying to figure out, well, what do we do with him then? So they take me around, they knock on a door. Well, it turns out a door to get back into the arena. It turns out it's the same usher who we had paid to get into the show. So he takes one look at me standing there with these two security guards. He completely freaks out because he thinks I've ratted him out and he's about to get busted. Right. And he slams the, he slams the door shut and he won't let me in. So the guards start getting into this conversation about, well, what are we going to do with this guy? You know, and they start talking about maybe taking me in through the backstage area. And I'm getting real excited about this. And then, unfortunately, they get another call of another incident they have to, they have to take care of. So they wander off, and I'm stuck outside the arena. That, that was one of the few times oh, that I no. wasn't able to get back in. But it was so funny, just this whole crazy scene with this guy who thought he was in trouble because, you know, he'd gotten in trouble for taking a bribe to oh, get yeah. into the show. Yeah. Oh my so, God. So that, that, yeah, that was that was a pretty crazy one. Um, I had another really fun, crazy um, story at a Joan Jett show that I was shooting. Um, oh wow! I was shooting at a I was shooting at a club in San Francisco that had kind of an unusually low stage, and I was in a really mm-hmm. tight packed group of people. And, and, you know, I'm, I think I'm safe and I'm shooting away. And all of a sudden I see a roadie and, you know, Joan Jett is playing and she's just ripping it up. She's just fantastic. Mm-hmm. She's like 83, 84. And she's, oh mm-hmm. yeah, she's just ripping it up with the black hearts. And all of a sudden I see this, this roadie on the, she, who's on the stage, but off to the side and he's looking at me and he sees me and he starts pointing at me. And I figure, hey, what's he going to do? I'm safe. I'm in this packed crowd. He can't get to me. Sure enough, he jumps off the stage and starts charging through the crowd right yep off the stage comes charging straight at me and and i see this guy coming towards me so i hide my equipment well i happen to have gone to this show with a friend who was also taking some pictures so the by the time the the roadie got to me he didn't you know he didn't know who he basically didn't figure it was me he grabbed my friend's equipment and just took it and just disappeared with so I was able to keep the pictures what? and get my equipment. Yeah, and after the show, I went with my friend to try to get the equipment back, and they just sort of laughed at us like, yeah, good luck with that. We're not giving it back to you. So Are you that, that serious? Was one of the cra- yeah, that was one of the crazier ones, having a roadie come into the crowd, charge at me. So, yeah, they, they don't mess That's around. That's crazy. They, yeah. We have yeah, – um, so. we have – this was just recently on our show, and we have um, also uh, – um, oh God, Ricky Bird coming on soon too. The plays with oh, the Blackhearts. That's funny. Oh wow. Yeah. That that's yeah, that's but, pretty brutal. Yeah, that was <laughs> oh, that was God. a fun one. And then I, I, here's another kind of fun story about just sort of the uh, sort of something very much uh, very 80s about how I got the equipment in. I, I went to shoot Prince in 1985, and Prince was one uh-huh. of the toughest. You've got some really great pictures of him. Oh, thank yeah. you. Yeah, that's that, that's part of the story is that I 
I was able to get in this massive, really, really good lens. And part of the reason I was able to do that was I went with a couple of female friends. Now, keep in mind, this is the mid-80s, so hair's getting real mm-hmm. big. Women are teasing up their hair. So I have this huge lens, and my plan had been to tape it to my leg and get it in. Well, it was so big, I couldn't get my pants over it. It was too on, on my oh, thigh. So, so my friend had this big purse, sort of a big 80s purse, and inside the purse, she would always carry with her a giant can of Aquanet, you know, for teasing up the hair like people did, like women did in the 80s. So we hid, we hid the lens under the Aquanet in her purse. So we go up, we, we're going through security, get in the show, and sure enough, the, the security guy kind of looks at her purse and sees this shape, this, you know, this cylinder, and he's thinking, okay, what's this? He opens it up, he sees the Aquanet can, he's like, oh, okay, and he lets us into the show. So that's how I was able to get the, this massive lens in, and like you said, the, the Prince photos are some of my absolute favorite that I ever oh, shot. Oh, they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's another thing, Did if you, you go get... to the Kickstarter page. I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Oh, go, gonna, go, go. I was going to say, if, if you go to the Kickstarter page, you can see a lot of the photos are on there. Plus, um, I've made available as part of uh, supporting the campaign some limited edition prints of the, a lot of the photos I shot back then. Oh, awesome. Did you get to meet any of these artists that you shot? And you know, do you have any what, stories what, on that? You know, I don't have a lot of meeting them. You know, this was, this was, I was like a teenager when I started out, and I was mostly just mm-hmm. obsessed with shooting the concerts. I did in later years, you know, uh, unrelated to my photography, just have, you know, like anybody does various incidents of, you know, because I continued even when I, I sort of stopped doing all of this by the, by the late 80s, but I continued going to mm-hmm. concerts, of course, and, you know, had, had a few, you know, meetings here and there. But, no, during, during the period of this, it was all about the photography. Wow, yeah. See, I could see that. That that I know a lot of people that just they go in and they take pictures and it's like, wow. But you know what's really cool is the stories that go along with it, like what you're talking about. It's just so yeah. It's like you have to be there kind of moment, you know. Um, yeah, all, well, well, like I, I said, all of that's going to be in the book, too. It's not just going to – it's going to be both the photographs and the stories that go with them. See, that's important. It's like I think that that's really cool that you're doing the side notes that go along with everything because a lot of people, you know, a lot of people do do books, but there's not a lot of the stories that are along with what really was going on with that. So Mm -hmm. that's important that you know. So it feels like you're, like, there. Now, um, tell me, um, I know that you're working – you also do some other things, and so why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about the current project besides the book and other stuff that you're working sure. on? Sure, absolutely. So one of the things that's part of my story is that I stopped doing this in the late 80s because I had to make a choice mm-hmm. between a career in the film business and a career um, doing photography, and I, and I chose the film business, you know, a, a, a choice that I'll, I'll, I guess I'll forever debate, but um, I, I, I did have um, a fair amount of success in my 20s and my 30s writing for uh, various studios in Hollywood, and then most recently, about 10 years ago, I transitioned over to writing books, and I wrote a book um, about the early days of live television called The Strange Birth, Short Life, and Sudden Death of Justice Girl, which tells the story of a of a live television show during the 1950s. What, what a lot of people don't realize is that 
until the late 1950s. Television really starts after World War II in 1946, but until the late 1950s, there was no videotape. Literally everything you were watching on your television was happening at that very moment on a stage somewhere. And they made very complicated dramas and comedies. So uh, I've always been fascinated by that. So I wrote a story about just that whole world of, of live television in the 50s. And it's, it, the book has done very well, and it's in development to be a television series. So that's kind of come full, full circle that, you know, I'm back into my, uh, my Hollywood stuff. So that, that's uh, my most recent writing work besides this, this that project. Is, that is so cool. And I know that you worked on a couple Frank Sinatra. You, it says here that yeah. in your bio, that, yeah, let's talk about that. That's interesting. Sure. I love oh, they, they were fa- they were mm-hmm. fantastic projects. I did them for Warner Brothers Records. Um, what what happened was after Frank died, you can imagine there's just this massive archive of different projects of his that were in various states, you know, some going mm-hmm. back, you know, into the 50s that didn't get completed. So what they uncovered, the I did two projects. The first one is they uncovered him singing a version of Silent Night um, that was just oh, absolutely beautiful. And it, yeah, and it was just done with, just a very simple piano accompaniment. Well, they stripped away the piano and then they, they got together an orchestra and they brought together as many of the living members of his band, you know, that he toured with when he oh, was wow. alive to do this, re- to do this recording session. And they got his son, Frank Sinatra Jr. to conduct it. And, uh, and they wrote a new score for it. And I documented the session and then made a little video for it. So I made a documentary and a video for them. And it was just amazing talking to these guys um, just about their experiences working with, working with Frank Sinatra and touring with them and all the recordings. And that's also, if you want to learn about that, that's my website is juliandavidstone.com and the Kickstarter is there. Plus the Sinatra pieces are there. Um, and I did that. And then I did another one a few years later, a few years later for them, which was a recording of the song body and soul, which is a classic that apparently was from a session in the 1980s where Frank Sinatra, um, showed up at the session he did a couple of run-throughs of it and then he wasn't real happy with the arrangement and he just left and so they never Mm -hmm. did anything with it so years later they did the same thing they stripped out the music they took the vocal track and they recorded a new um backing you know same thing with an orchestra and got together the living members of his band and and the same thing was done there and it was just it was so amazing to talk to these guys. They were just so full of love for Frank and his perfectionism. And just, it was just wonderful to, to hear them talk about it. And uh, it was great. And the second project, the, the body and soul one, an extra sort of exciting thing is that it was, um, we, we, we filmed it in the Capitol records building, the famous building in Los Angeles, you know, that looks like oh, a yeah, stack yeah, of yeah. records. Yeah. So that mm-hmm. was, that was kind of exciting to be working in there in that studio where Sinatra had done so many recordings. So that that was really really fun to do those those projects. Oh yeah, Capitol Records is so amazing, and um, yeah. I have a family member that actually was the um, vice VP of uh, Capitol Records. Worked with Frank when Frank was with oh, wow. Capitol and Marilyn Monroe and um, uh, just various people. Um, you know, found Linda Ronstadt and. Uh, all these wow. other people, and uh, he was head of A and R for a while, and uh, he really loved. I mean, some of the stories that I heard coming out of there—it's just like amazing, you know, because you just never heard all these things. How everybody mm-hmm. was just 
like a normal person, you know. But, um, right. you know, hearing the stories that you're talking about, you know, that go along with this, um, it just is so hard, I'm sure, when you sit down and you look at all the photos you have and you have mm-hmm. to choose which ones you <laughs> want in your, you know, you know, your yeah, publication. No, it, no, you're right. I mean, it's kind of a, an embarrassment of riches. You know, the, 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 the fun of the project has been, like I, I said, is that I sort of stopped doing this in the mid-'80s, and I just sort of put it away, this archive of 10,000 images. And it, it sort of the way that it came back was that it was when uh, David Bowie died and then Prince. I posted some pictures on Facebook and people just like, I got this amazing reaction. People are like, you got to do a book and all this different stuff. And it was when I decided I could connect it to my stories that I really thought, yeah, this, this is something I can do. And it has been, it's been exciting for me to go back and look at these photos because like I said, I haven't looked at most of them in 30, 35 years. And a lot of them, especially getting them, you know, that's part of the, um, what the Kickstarter was doing was to get them scanned and, you know, in modern, with modern technology. And it's, in a lot of cases, I'm seeing them, even though I looked at them back then, I'm seeing them for the first time. So it's been really exciting and I'm going through and finding a lot of great stuff. And like you said, it's tough, but I'm going to pick out the best 250 and, you know, put them out there in the world. And it's also been really fascinating to see what people are excited by today and the interesting thing was one of the ones that the pictures that have gotten the biggest reaction have been my pictures of the police because i've I've been a fan of the police but as it turns out the show that i photographed which was them at shea stadium was kind of like the ultimate show for police fans and i didn't realize that so once i started posting pictures from that show i started getting all these emails of people doing documentaries on the police and could they use the photos and just all this stuff, because apparently, I guess, that this show, part of the lore of, of the legend of it is that Shea Stadium, when they sold out Shea Stadium in 83, was that that was the moment they kind of decided to break up because they were like, wow, this is as big as it's going to get. You know, where do we go from here? So uh, that's, you know, that, that's kind of been an interesting thing, seeing which photos still resonate with people today, which bands. No, absolutely. And, you know, um, what I would like to know about is your Bowie pictures. Let's hear a little mm-hmm. bit about that because that's interesting because, you know, Angie has been on the show quite a few times and uh, we've had quite a few people that um, did a, the Bowie tribute and people that played with Bowie. Tell me a little bit about the times when you uh, had the Bowie pictures that you, sure. or the images that you so took. I, mm-hmm. Sure. I shot Bowie in 83 when he was touring with his the Let's Dance album, I think it was. Um, you know, and I think mm-hmm. in terms of that may have been some of his biggest sort of mass popular success because I shot him at Anaheim Stadium. And I and this is kind of embarrassing, but I had mostly gone to photograph the Go-Go's who were opening for them. So I photographed uh-huh. the Go-Go's. And so I have I have a lot of great pictures of the Go-Go's. And then I shot Bowie. I don't have as many photos as I should. It's kind of embarrassing. But I I, I was I had really was there to shoot the, the Go-Go's. It's a terrible thing to admit because I love Bowie so much. But uh, I shot Bowie at this. And this is when he was sort of doing the very, very, uh, uh, you know, very classy, the, the suits and everything. And he was just fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. But like I said, I, I wish I had more pictures of Bowie because I, I I mostly shot the Go Go's who had who had opened the show with Madness, which was another fun band to, to photograph. I, I shot them a couple of times. Oh wow, yeah. I mean, they're very interesting. But I mean, did you um did you shoot 
shoot Lou Reed at all ever or the Velvet Underground? I, I never. Sh- no, I wish I had. I love the Velvet Underground. I didn't. You mm-hmm. know, it's it's it's. You know, sometimes I even I, I I look back at that time and I know there were concerts I went to when I didn't photograph. I've never I never quite. You know, I don't remember all the drama of the different things because you know pretty much every time that I wanted to get my equipment in, I succeeded. Um, so I don't know like which shows why I didn't photograph, but like I said, most of the time I, I did I did photograph, but unfortunately I didn't see nor photograph the Velvet Underground. I wish I had. Oh no, it's amazing that you, you know, were able to get what you have. Um, what um, on the Prince photos? What have mm-hmm. been the reaction from a lot of people on the Prince photo? Because oh, the one Fantastic. I saw was amazing. Yeah. Well, the the one you're I know which one you're referring to because I I I sent mm-hmm. it to that is my absolute favorite picture that I ever took of anybody. It, to me, it's just oh, really? sort of the ultimate. Aww. Yeah, it's the ultimate Prince moment with his arm up and the 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 the, the sort of the uh, the boa and everything. Um, yeah, no people, the Prince fans have uh, you know uh, ha, have been very enthusiastic of the photos. And like I said, I'm selling limited edition prints on my website, so it's been interesting to see which ones have sold because sort of just sort of going briefly back to the, to the police, one of the photos I have, which my personal favorite is the Prince, but w- another photo that I like a lot is I have a picture of Sting from Shea Stadium standing with his shirt off with, you know, with his bass guitar. And no question that's been my most popular photo because, you know, as, as, I, as I sort of write in the description that if you're ever looking for the description, you know, of a rock star, I think standing in front of 70,000 people with your shirt off at Shea Stadium, no less, might just be the definition. I mean, you just see the confidence of this, you know, man at the peak of, of their, of his success and the peak of their success shirtless in front of this crowd, just going crazy. And that's one of my, my favorite photos. Well, you know, have you, um, did you ever, uh, photograph any, uh, um, film people in film besides music people? Are there any people that you've, no, you know, when, when my, my film career was in the film this, I made films, I wrote screenplays for studios, you know, that, that's what I did. I never, I never kind of crossed over the two, you know, I, I kind of really hung up in terms of as a career, the, the photography in, in the late eighties when I really went into film full bore. So yeah, no, it's all, it's all rock and roll that I photograph. Wow. That's pretty amazing. You know, it's like, it's, it's, it's just, it's, just such a different world and a lot of people don't really realize you know how Mm -hmm. different it is and how much there is involved in getting behind the scenes and doing you know uh, the photography for people um do you have any other stories you'd like to share with our listeners about uh some of the people that you shot and some who some of your favorite people that you uh sure sure yeah Yeah, i shot Sure, I shot REM, which was just fantastic. This would have been in the mid '80s, and and they were mm-hmm. they were just a blast. They were great. I shot for people in the Bay Area. I shot Huey Lewis a couple of times at the peak of you know his fame with the sports album. Who you know I know Huey Lewis like sort of the sometimes the reputation isn't the best at this point, but at that time he was sort of at the peak and he was really just a a real big star of the '80s, and and that was a great show. Um, Tom Petty mm-hmm. was great because. Uh, Petty put Tom on kind Petty, of amazing. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I, I wasn't the hugest Petty fan, but I have to say that as a live performer, he was incredible. I mean, like, I saw him a couple of times, and every time it was the same thing, that he just puts on a show that just gets everybody involved in it. It, it mm-hmm. just really brings, brings, brings the crowd into it. Um, the Talking Heads were fantastic when I saw them. Elvis Costello. I mean, they're, they're all going to be in the book, and they, they were just great. You know, just just terrific performers See, at their absolute peak. That's the part that people want to hear. They want to hear about the things that maybe they don't, you know, they've never been able to see or know or hear. You know, it's just mm-hmm. so, like I said, you have to be their type of moment. Um, right. Well, uh, an interesting that was, one that's was crazy about the Duran Duran thing. I'm just still like in oh, awe yeah. about that. Yeah, that, but, that was pretty funny. Um, what were you gonna say? Mm-hmm. Oh, I was going to say that uh, a show that a really interesting show that I shot was I shot U2 in Ireland in 1983. And it was a really mm-hmm. interesting show. It was a big, it was a big lineup um, in Dublin that had like the Eurythmics and Steel Pulse and Big Country and Simple Minds, all of, again, all of whom will be in the book. Um, and, but what was interesting about U2 is that this was the first time that they had played in Ireland in almost a year, and it was after the War album had come out, which was their first sort of internationally successful album. So it was kind of a homecoming of them uh, as these sort of, you know, they were successful, but now they were becoming international mm-hmm. stars. So there was definitely a sense of like, you know, I don't know if I was the only American in the crowd, but it felt like that. It felt like this was like a hometown show, and they were the returning heroes, and it was the Edge's birthday, so they brought a keg, a cake out on stage, and it was just, it was kind oh, wow. of an amazing moment to to be at, and that that was a very memorable experience being there for U 2s return to to Ireland. Oh yeah, no, I mean, so you've traveled a lot. You just go wherever it yeah. is. Yeah. That's, yeah, it's during that's this period, amazing. period of time. Yeah, you know, that's the other thing. Mm-hmm. Looking back, you know, I was in Ireland shooting U2, and I was 19, and it just doesn't seem possible that you wow. know, I did this when I, when I was that young. I, I, I do have a funny memory of the trip. I had gone on my own that summer to, to London. I had saved up some money. I was supposed to go with a friend, and he bailed out at the last minute, so I decided to go on my own, and I, and I take this trip, and I'm gone for, like, six weeks and this is again sort of the peak of my obsession with rock and roll so i'm buying all uh-huh. these records when i'm over there in these obscure little shops in london and i had so many records yeah i couldn't car- carry them around london so i had checked a suitcase at victoria station at the end of every day i would go back and fill in the suitcase with with uh with more records um that i had bought but um uh, a funny thing was that in the midst of this, I decided, oh, I've been here for a while. I should call my parents. So I call my parents, and they're just like, oh my god, where have you been? Because you know this isn't today oh. where <laughs> we can we can send it, we can send an email and say, oh, I'm fine. I had just disappeared into the world, you know, into Europe. And they hadn't heard from me for weeks, so I just remember that. That mm-hmm. when I called, you know, and I, I'm just thinking, oh, I'm just going to call home and say hi, everything's fine. And they're just completely like, where have you been? You know. So that, that was mm-hmm. part of the adventure. And I, I, on that same trip, besides in, in Dublin, um, I saw and shot Dave Edmonds. If you remember Dave Edmonds from Rockpile. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, and other yeah, stuff. yeah. And, I, and, I, and uh, um, I shot him in London, and that, that was just great in a, in a, in a little pub. Those, those pictures I, I also have in the book. And, yeah, it was just a, a real journey I went on that summer shooting and, and buying records. And, uh, yeah, 
it was just great. Yeah, you have a lot of pictures of Bono very young um, from you too. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Gosh, you were. I mean, they are like pretty iconic photos. Um, what was the feeling of the crowd when you were there um, during that time? Because I know they went through a lot of changes. You too did, especially in yeah, Ireland. Yeah, you know. Yeah, the the Irish thing was very intense. Like I said, it was, you know, this was like a homecoming for this band, and they were very passionate. And it was the, the first time I mm-hmm. had that experience where they, they finished with a song uh, off of the war album called 40. And, and it's a, you know, uh-huh. basically the, the band left the stage, and the audience kept singing it. And then th- this, this um, concert was in a park. So as the concert broke up, people just kept singing the song over and over. And that was a very powerful moment that, that I witnessed that just to see, you know, like 20, 30,000 people dispersing, all singing this song over and over again as they, you know, wandered off into, into Dublin. So that, that was amazing. And then I saw them about a year and a half later back in San Francisco. And it was interesting to see the transition that they had gone through just in that oh, year yeah, and a half. Oh, yeah, because now, now they were oh. full-blown international stars, and it, they were much more of the band. They were amazing in Ireland, but now they were much more of the band that we've come to know as U2, where you know they sort of had mm-hmm. different theatrical things. And, and the photo, I have, a, I have a really great photo that's one of my favorites of Bono sort of pointing, and it was from a moment in the show where they used to do this thing on that tour where they would bring a fan up onto the stage, and they'd put a guitar on him, and teach them one chord mm-hmm. and have them strum it over and over. And then they would leave the stage. Oh, really? And they, yeah, and they would just leave this one fan on stage in front of, you know, 10,000 people with the lights on them playing this chord. And the moment that I captured was Bono pointing into the crowd for the person that he wanted to come up on stage. So that, oh, wow. that's, uh, it's, yeah, it's kind of a cool moment. And I had an interesting experience with that one particular photo um, around this time. If you remember, you know, uh, if you're in the Bay Area, there was a magazine called BAM uh, that was around. Yes. That was a Bay yeah. Area music. Bay, yeah. Yeah. So about, so about 84, 85, they did an open call for photographers. So I went in uh-huh. there. This is the point. Now, now I, I have this huge portfolio that I've taken at all these shows. Um, and I bring it in, and they start flipping through it, and they're just going, oh, my God, these are amazing photos. Where have you been? And then they get to the picture of Bono, and they stop, this editor, and, and, and she's staring at it for a long time. And then she goes, you know, two weeks ago we were going to do a cover story on Bono, and we couldn't find a good picture. If you had brought this in two weeks ago, this would have been our cover. And I was just like, oh, my oh, God. Oh, no way. You know, so. Yeah, so that that was an amazing experience, and needless to say, I you know they 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 took me on, and I, I started doing some stuff for them, and I was also previously working for another magazine in the Bay Area, a smaller magazine called Artist Magazine, um, which mm-hmm. I photographed some shows for them. I shot Graham Parker and and Eric Clapton, and what I discovered this is also part of a little bit of why I kind of stopped doing it was. Once it became a little bit more of a job, it wasn't kind of as much fun. I, I really enjoyed the sneaking in of the equipment. I really enjoyed that I shot the bands that I wanted to shoot, that I had a passion for them. And once I started mm-hmm. doing these other bands, which were good bands, I shot Howard Jones, like I said, Clapton, Graham Parker, Los Lobos. It was a little different. I don't know. You, you just it didn't have the excitement, you know, that you'd sort of be in the pen in the front and they'd say, okay, you can shoot three songs and then that's it. It just it wasn't the same thing of sort of the excitement, the rush of, you know, it, it was almost like, you know, the sneaking in of the equipment was almost my no, thing of being I totally rock, get that. Of being rock and roll. You know, yeah. So. 
No, yeah. I get that. Yeah. I get that. Totally understand that. It's like you get the thrill and the little little bit of a adrenaline rush from being able yeah. to go and do that. No, I I understand because being in media, it's like, you know, I get media passes, but then there are a lot of things that I don't have media passes for, and I just walk in like I'm supposed to be there, you know. (laughs) And I never get questioned. I never get questioned, you know. I've never really had anybody confront me. In fact, um, what's funny for me is almost all the events that I've ever just walked into the members of the band always walk up to me and say, hey, I know you. And I'm like, no, we've never met, but I'm glad to meet you, you know. Oh, and it's that's, so that's funny, great. you know. But, no, it's, it is. It's like, you know, I have I have a really funny story about Bad Company um, in my birthday, but we won't, we won't talk about that now. But <laughs> it was funny. They were playing at the amphitheater before it was covers. In um, Universal City, and um, afterwards, uh, it was my birthday. We went backstage, and um, we just had an we just all had a really good time. Not meaning That's that awesome. way, you know, in a bad way. It was just like we all celebrated my birthday, and it was really fun, you know. And uh, it was just like a spur of the moment type thing. And um, other groups, I've you know that have appeared come and play, you know, for my birthday and stuff. And so it's always really fun, you know, doing stuff like that. But, um, yeah. you know, I wanted to ask you, since we opened up with mm-hmm. the police song, I wanted to ask you, um, what uh, did you did you do? I know that you have some photos of Sting. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me about that, the, the police and stuff like that. I want to hear about that. Well. Well, like I said, that you know, I shot them at Shea Stadium, and that was, you know, mm-hmm. I, I kind of caught them at the at the peak of their career, and that that was an interesting show to to photograph. It was at the tail end of this same trip to Europe, so I had flown back mm-hmm. into New York City, and I got picked up at the airport by some friends, and we went to the show, and I was very lucky, and I, and I was able to get a ticket onto the floor. But you know, stadium shows were always interesting for sticking equipment in because there was a plus and a minus. The, the plus was definitely that usually the security was so overwhelmed managing 70,000 people, they didn't really give mm-hmm. you a good looking over. The, the minus was that once you got in, it was a real fight to get up close. And this show was mm-hmm. very much like that because, I mean, it was packed on the floor. And I'm, you know, I'm just fighting my way forward. And the closer you get to the stage, the harder it is because these are the fans that have waited all night to get in. So they're they're not about yeah. to feed any you know ground to you and let you go forward. So I'm making my way forward very slowly, and I get this absolute gift from Mother Nature. It starts to rain, just a great New York City oh, August, wow. you know, downpour. The crowd just scatters, and I and at this point I had start, I had added a rain poncho as part of my standard concert equipment. I just put on my poncho and I march right up to the front row. So that's how I got that amazing photo of staying oh, wow. shirtless because I'm right in the front row for the show. So that, that was a great experience. And just, mm-hmm. you know, again, the police at their absolute peak and, you know, just, you know, just blowing away this crowd. is just, They're just great. And I see in concert. Yeah. 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 I really, no, I've, I've like had nothing but positive things to say. Um, did you ever uh, go to a Pink Floyd concert? 
I, I never saw Pink Floyd with Roger Waters. I did see them, you know, mm-hmm. afterwards with, without him. I did see them. I didn't photograph them, but I did see them in mm-hmm. uh, in the, the the tour in the early '90s. Um, and then I saw I saw Waters again uh, for some reason. I don't know why I didn't photo. I saw him when he toured in '85. I wish I had photographed that show. I don't know why I didn't. That's another one. I think I think I went just to have a good time. Sometimes, you know, when, when I when I take the equipment it sort of becomes like I feel the obligation to be shooting all the time. And sometimes you want to just enjoy the show. And that, that's another, honestly, another factor in why I kind of stopped in the late eighties, because I, once I, you know, I got to college, I fell in with a group of people that were deadheads and I became a big, you know, deadhead and started seeing a lot of Grateful Dead shows. And I photographed them mm-hmm. for a while. And then at a certain point, I just wanted to dance, you know? <laughs> so I stopped. Oh yeah. No, no, absolutely. I get that. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I have I can a lot understand of that. Yeah, I have a lot of great photos of the dead. I have some particularly great photos of of Jerry from uh from a, a club show in 83 where I was literally in the front row. Oh, really? That's going to be in the book. Oh, yeah, wow. and that's going to be in the book and those are great pictures. I I have them for uh, oh, I have that's just great be dead awesome. pictures too. That's going to be amazing. Um, you know, it's it's like really good when you have like these really good you know, personal images, things that just look mm-hmm. like they're supposed to be there. You're supposed to be there, but yet they're so obscure, you know. And um, so this, when when are we talking about the book is going to um, go into production? Well, I'm, I'm, you know, not once we hit the, the funded, you know, thing two weeks ago, I was like, okay, this is really mm-hmm. going to happen. So right now as we, you know, I, as as we speak, I'm having the first bunch of the, you know, I have a lot of images that need to be scanned. So uh, there's a couple of labs in Los Angeles right now who are, who are handling uh, my archive and getting it awesome. scanned. And I've met with a book, I've met with a book designer. So basically it's in production and, you know, the uh, I, I'm hoping to have it done, you know, available in February or March. That's the, that's the target date, like it says on the oh, Kickstarter campaign. Great. And, and and once, once you know, I, I hope everybody will support the campaign. You can still purchase the book through there. But once, even when the campaign's done, when it ends on uh, September 21st, you know, obviously the book will be available through Amazon and all of that once it's uh, once it's done. Oh yeah, and you know what? Um, like I said, we should talk afterwards um, about doing the gallery thing because uh, I think that I could maybe possibly help you on that one and uh be great you know the morrison or whatever i mean there's so many people i know that you know have done so many shows at the morrison and i know maybe you want to take it on the road even later on you know that would be kind of cool i'm open to anything you know i'm just really excited Mm -hmm. by the by the response to this you know just They've been sitting in my closet for 35 years. So it's oh, kind no, of, and it, I think that's yeah. really – I think it's important that you get it out there. Um, yeah. What I wanted to do was I wanted to tell you um, listen, to the listeners, and I, I'm hoping Anne's listening. I want to thank Anne so much for turning me on to you because she told me, oh, my gosh, you have to see Julian um, Stone's, uh, you know, GoFundMe or, or the, the Kickstarter campaign. Um, I guess you two went to school together. And, yeah, that's, uh, that's 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 what I uh, I'll have to check with Anne, but I seem to recall. I think we went a long time ago, went to school together. But yes, mm-hmm. thank you, Anne, for for mm-hmm. for putting uh, me together with you. No, it's, it's just really this nice. Is great. 
And again, if you missed the beginning of the show, it will be available on iTunes afterwards and on Red Velvet Media, Blog Talk Radio afterwards. Um, what I wanted to say to you was uh, um, about your film go- going away from the book right now. I know mm-hmm. that you've, you're a writer and director, and mm-hmm. you have a hit cult comedy feature film that's out, um, that's played all over, called Follow the Bitch. I think it's called. That's, yeah, right. Yep, that, that's that's what it's called. Um, it's a comedy I made a few years back. Um, mm-hmm. One of the the people in it who's sort of become very well known now. If anybody's a fan of The Walking Dead, uh, Michael Cudlitz, yeah. who was a regular on, yeah, who was a regular on the show for a number of years. He's one of the stars of the film. Um, uh, I made this comedy about a, an all male poker game that a woman comes in and plays at for the first time, and it's about that one oh, night where she funny. comes in. Yeah, and I, you know, I did. I wrote this film. We made it in two weeks. We shot it in at the time what was my apartment, and it just, you know, it just did fantastic. And we did great at festivals. It ran in theaters. It was just great, and it's available on on Amazon still to this to this day. Um, really? And yeah, and like I said, yeah. Oh yeah, you can get it on okay. Amazon. Just put follow the I'm bitch. I'm gonna have to watch it. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that was that was a great experience. Um, I made an indie feature. It was made in the the late '90s, so it goes back a few years. But that was uh, uh, the a feature that I made. And um, writing wise, I uh, for about 20 years I was writing and selling scripts to the studios, and and uh, had had a had a nice little run doing that. And then, like I said, then I transitioned into uh, novels, and and Justice Girl has done has done very well. And now I'm doing this uh, rock and roll book. So kind of. Kind Justice of doing all Girl, kinds of different what a great things. name. What a great Thank name. You. I mean, that sounds like, you know, because you have so many different uh, miniseries right now. And yeah. uh, that would be a great name, you know, yeah. for no, um, I, 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 a series. I hope the, per- the production company that uh, picked it up, hopefully that's, that's what they'll do, you know. So they're, yeah. They're away so on it's, it. about, is it, it's about the 19, 1950s live television Right. It's about a television series called Justice Girl in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. It's about a writer who's working on another show, and he gets fired. And and, and because mm-hmm. it's live television, he gets fired right before the show is going to go on the air. So um, it's a comedy. The, the show that he's working on is a comedy show. And it's a, if you remember, Superman was a hit in the in the yeah, 50s. Yeah, yeah. So they were the they were this myth, this fake this TV show in my book was going to do a sketch making fun of Superman, well, he changes it around as sort of a, a final farewell uh, for being fired and creates this character Justice Girl figuring, well, I'm fired, I'm going to mess with them, and the, the character goes on the air live, and it turns out to be this huge hit, and now the network that he's working for decides that they want to make it into a TV series, and that since he technically owns the character, even though they fired him, they have to deal with him, and he's brought back to to turn this little sketch into a TV series. And it's about all the crazy stuff that happens with, uh, with his justice girl character. Oh, wow. That's so great. That's really great. Well, we want to make sure everybody goes to the site and checks it out and helps to get this into the, um, art museum or into a gallery. Um, and, uh, I wanted to, yeah, because I, and let's get the website out again. Sure, it's Kickstarter. Everybody knows Kickstarter. You just go to Kickstarter, mm-hmm. type in no cameras allowed, and it'll take you right to where my, my campaign page is. I'm in the photography photo books 
section and you'll see the campaign campaign page there. There's a nice video where I'm talking to the camera and talking about the project. You can see about 20 more or 20 pictures that are going to be in the book, all different ones. And there's some great rewards if you want to, you know, support the campaign where you can get the book, yeah. you can get the book and you can get the book and some archival prints because I made available, like I said, about 15, 20 different prints of all the different bands we've been talking about. And some of the photos that we've been speaking about, the Prince photo that you mentioned in Bono and the shirtless Sting picture, they're, they're all available there and you can see them there. That's fantastic. Well, we want to definitely, I would, I definitely want to have you back once this launches and then you and I should talk afterwards about um, some galleries and stuff. And oh, that'd be great. Uh, again, I just wanted to thank you so much for being here. And I wanted to let everyone know that this Friday, guys, tune in. I'm going to have, um, along with Spencer Drake, we're going to be having the Dead Boys and their um, uh, reunion. And then next week is going to be a triple um, header for me. It's a really busy week next week. Um, <laughs> I will be on Tuesday. I'm going to be having... Um, the new Steve McQueen movie and book. Um, there's a new book that is coming out, or as is out right now, Steve McQueen, The Salvation of an American Icon by Marshall Terrell and Greg Laurie. Uh, Marshall writ- wrote the book along with Greg Laurie. And then the film is coming out um, at this month, um, and it's premiering in your city, so go ahead and go to Steve McQueen, American Icon, and you can look and see where it's at. And then also, then on Friday, I know it's like crazy. This next week's going to be crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, no, Wednesday, Wednesday, I'm going to be doing a show on Prog Stock, which is kind of going to be cool. Um, we're going to be talking to um, the founders of Prog Stock with all the great Prog movement. Prog's really coming back. And then Friday, uh, Drew Stone and his new movie. So, uh, Red Velvet Media has got a very busy week along and then with Spencer Drake on Friday with the Indie Cafe. So it'll be really a great week, and I really want to thank you so much for being here today. And, oh, my uh, pleasure. My pleasure. No, it's awesome. And um, I will be contacting you in regards to what we spoke about. And for everyone listening in the chat room, thank you, and everyone that listened live. And, again, um, you can check this out on demand. It'll be up within, like, you know, an hour or so. Um, Great. On demand as a podcast. And with that, we're going to end the show with Synchronicity 2. And I wanted to ask you real quick, is there anything you wanted to add, Julian, before we end? No, it's just just been great, great talking to you, and I hope people will check out the Kickstarter. uh, Awesome. And thank you so much. It was just just been great talking to you, and I'd love to be on again. Thank you. Oh uh, yeah, no, no, no. Let's have you back. And with that, yeah, here we go. And uh, you guys have a, a cool rest of the week, and I'll catch everyone on Friday with the Dead Boys. With that, go check out No Cameras Allowed, my career as an outlaw rock and roll photographer. Here you guys go. You've been listening to Red Velvet Media with Holly Steffi. Thanks for listening, and tune in again next time.
Thank you. 